I'm Claire Liu, and I'm the CEO of Know Your Team, and today is a super special day, because on The Heartbeat, we have the one and only Jason Fried, who is the co-founder and CEO of Basecamp, a project management tool that if you're not using, I don't really know what you're using. It's what we base our entire business off of, and for those of you who've been following Know Your Team, we were a spinoff company of Basecamp as well. But I wanted to actually ask Jason to come back on the show because Jason was the very first person I interviewed for The Heartbeat when I started this series two and a half years ago. I went and looked back. Yeah. And today is a particularly special episode because it is the 50th episode that I've done of these. So interviewing all sorts of leaders that I've admired all over the world. And I thought Jason for this particular one, I mean, you know, Jason and I talk regularly. He sits on our board at Know Your Team that you would be possibly the best person to maybe flip the tables this time around and ask me the one question that I've been asking leaders over the past two and a half years on this podcast. So I thought that's how we would kick things off. And then we can I have a bunch of questions for you because I just you know, there's so much to, to hear. Should we start there? Yeah, this is great. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be on the 50th episode and to be uh, chosen to ask you this very special question, <laughs> which is basically, you know, as you start off all your interviews, you, you always ask, what's one thing you wished that you'd learn earlier about being a leader? So yeah. let's turn the, the tables and ask you the same question. What do, what, what do you wish you knew? Uh, let's call it 10 years ago. It's so funny. I've literally asked this question likely more than 50 times and maybe in the best form, right? You try not to think of your own answer to the question that you ask. Uh, and I even knew that we were doing this episode. So <laughs> I was like, it's funny. It's like, I didn't really prepare for it. Right. I'll just share the first thing that comes to mind, which is that I really wish I had learned to be more like myself earlier, which is probably some leadership poster cliche thing that's written everywhere, right? Be more like yourself or trust yourself. But I, uh, yeah, I just have noticed that, you know, when I was first starting out, and I mean, you've known me for, for a while before I was even running Know Your Team and getting started. And I think one of the hardest things when you're even just leading yourself, right? So before I even had a team is figuring out, well... <laughs> What do I believe in? What do I care about? And how true do I actually even stay aligned to that? And I think the first instinct when you're trying to answer those questions when you're starting out is you pattern match and you go, oh, you know, I'm really a big fan of, yeah, the stuff that Basecamp does. And so, you know, I'll talk to Jason and David and hear about how they run their teams and how they, you know, work with people. Or maybe, you know, I'll talk to some professors or I'll talk to other mentors or people who are older than me and wiser and, you know, making lots of money. And ah, like, this just seems like this would be the right path. And I would try those things. And, you know, who's to say to what degree things worked or, or whatnot. But what I found when things would go either faster or smoother, or uh, I would get really good feedback from the people I was working with was when I wasn't looking at <laughs> any other pattern for what I thought could be, you know, could be true. And so that was, that was, that's probably the biggest thing. Even today, right? So it's like having tried to internalize that lesson. Like even today, I'll even notice though myself being, well, am I doing this the right way? Like, am I having these conversations or making these decisions in quote unquote the right way? And then I'll go back and talk to people. And it's, and it's a funny, it's almost like a funny, weird habit to try to kick of, well, 
there's really no answer to figuring out how to do any of this well, whether you're running your company or, or managing your team. And, and how do you, yeah, how do you try to be more like yourself? So a continual lesson, maybe I'm still trying to learn. That's such a great point. And it's something that I think uh, a lot of business leaders at all levels struggle with, which is, can they be themselves? Are they allowed to be themselves? There's a sense that uh, leaders need to be this like, you know, strong, these strong people who are always right and always pointing in the right direction. And, and we try to yeah. often emulate that, but then you're not being yourself. And if, you can't lead if you're not being yourself. People want to follow you. They don't want to follow the the caricature of of, of a big, strong leader kind of thing. So I think that's really important. The other thing is, is that you're a small company. You have what, three people, four people now? Four people. Yeah, we're four people total. Yeah, we're tiny. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, people I think who are new are looking out at leaders who are running massive organizations and thinking that they need to model themselves after those people. But those people have a very different challenge than the challenge you have. You're going to be much closer to your team and much closer to your people. So it seems like it's a different style of leadership that I think you'll have to evolve into as, as the company grows as well. But I'm kind of curious, you've talked 50 leaders at least, many more, but you've interviewed yeah. 50. Yes. What, what surprised you most about these people? Everyone actually has a different answer to that question that I asked, yeah. or that you asked me rather. That's actually been the most surprising thing. Like I, I almost assume when I started down this project of, oh, I'm going to ask the same question. And I have a feeling I'm going to have to stop at some point because people are just going to start saying the same things. And what's so weird, Jason, is everybody says a different thing, hmm. like literally. It's it, like they might fall under sort of broad scopes of like, um, empathy is important, right? Like that's like a theme that's come up or communication is important or, uh, you know, humility is important. Like there are themes, but everyone has a really sort of individual, like not to be dramatic, but almost demon that they're personally struggling with and trying to sort of figure out and wrestle and nail down. I didn't expect that. Was there a particular interview? I know I'm asking yeah. you to go back through the inventory in your mind, but was there a particular <laughs> yes. interview that... That surprised you in terms of like, I thought this person would have been X, but they turned out to be Y in a good way, of course. But mm. was there was there any was there any like lesson that was shared by somebody that that you felt you were really little like legitimately like surprised by and it caused you to reflect on your own leadership? To feel like you're learning, right? You're learning part of the interview process yeah. is getting to learn from other people. So I'm wondering if anything changed your mind, basically. Changed my mind, yes. One of the most memorable interviews that I did was last year with uh, Peldy, who's mm. the CEO of Balsamic. He's great. And yes, phenomenal. You know, been a client of ours for a while. And, you know, it was, I mean, it was immensely flattering. He was saying, oh, Claire, you know, your writings like deeply influenced the way and changed the way that I've, you know, I've been running my teams. And it was so funny because then what he shared changed a bit of my mind. So <laughs> the thing that he talked about was how he has this really interesting tendency to want to sort of save the day all the time. So people come in with problems and he's like, great, I fix them. Like I do, you know, like I put my thinking cap on, I roll up my sleeves and I go and I fix them for people and it's and, and it's great for a little while. And then he notices that over time, there's sort of, you know, different bottlenecks start to, to, to happen where all of a sudden everyone is coming to him with, with these problems. And then realize that the things that he is actually good at, he needs to stop doing. And... I'd always sort of known and read about, and there's so many studies and, you know, you, you sort of look at all sorts of academic scholars who study leadership and, you know, there are a lot of different frameworks for, yes, delegation's important, like the whole purpose of a team is to sort of, uh, to just separate tasks and so you're not the one doing them and you're, you know, your role as a manager is to enable people, blah, 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 blah. But the framing of it as, like, look at the things you're good at and stop doing the things you're good at, I was like, huh, huh. interesting. 
leadership, like good leadership is almost uh, always about internalizing positive behavior change. And I thought like, what is more sort of powerful than telling yourself to look in the mirror for the things that you pride yourself in and that you're like, I'm kind of, you know, kind of really good at that. And like everybody comes to me for that and being like, stop. Right. Like I just, (laughs) I I just thought that was so refreshing. Was he trying to essentially create more responsibility for the rest of his team? Was it like, yeah, I know I can solve this problem, but it's not going to help people if I actually solve it. Even though they're coming to me for help, the real help is to say, actually figure it out yourself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And for him, and this is what I really appreciated uh, about what he shared as well, was it was about self-sustainability for the team. That if he wants, if the team needs to be successful when he's on vacation, well, shit, he can't be the one then being sort of the, you know, saving the day if, what if he's out for a few weeks, you know, on a very tactical level. And then, you know, just thinking, okay, how do I, if, if I want this team to sort of really survive and thrive in the years to come without me, if I want Balsamic to, to in the long run, be sort of outlast me, like, how do I think about doing that? And I think that long-term view of leadership and, hey, you're a perfect person to, to talk about this is, you know, base camp, you're what, 20th year? Is that 20 right? year, yeah, 20 years this year. Yeah. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Got some grays no, in the it, beard, yeah. <laughs> that's no accident. You have to try pretty hard if you want to be around for 20 years, I think. Uh, you kind of have to really want to not not die, right? And keep, right. keep doing something. Right. I appreciate that as well, because I think, I mean, just it's kind of a byproduct of our culture that we just focus on, well, what's gonna, what's gonna, you know, help me in the next six months, or what's gonna help me in the next year? I, I guess to sort of, I'm, I've got, I've got so many questions for you, Jason, yeah, like, sure. I was excited about <laughs> this. Uh, but one of, one of the things I was curious about is, yeah, 20, you know, 20 years running base camp, I think, I was listening to the rework podcast the other day, and you said something really interesting where you said you're almost thinking about it though as the first of the next 20 years right in some ways yeah yeah for people who haven't been running anything for 20 years like myself how do you really ingrain that long-term view as a leader what's happening there to be remembering that sure well a lot of the decisions we make we put them up against like will this help us last so, for example, one of the reasons we work 40-hour weeks is because if you work 80-hour weeks, like, it's going to be hard to do that for a long time. You might be able yeah. to do it in short spurts, but we want to sure. be in, like, we, the first thing is we have to establish that we want to be in business for a long time. Like, it's something that sounds kind of silly, but you actually have to say, like, we actually want to be around for a while. And not just, <laughs> Gotta like, want it first, yeah. Yeah, you gotta want it first. So, you gotta, like, set that mm-hmm. out and go, like, we want to be around for a while. Therefore, like, mm-hmm. what are some sustainable practices we can follow? And, and work week, um... Our cadence of our projects, the type of expectations we set for ourselves or don't set for ourselves, the fact that we don't set up um, unreasonable goals, you know, um, or unattainable goals or stretch. We just kind of we're, we're very focused on on the now, but also knowing that the now is hopefully going to continue for the next 20 years. So we turned 20 and I, I talked to the company. We, we had a meetup around this time when we turned 20 and about um, so what about the next 20? So we did 20. What about mm-hmm. the next 20? And there's always momentum behind you. Like you've been around for a while. So there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of decisions. There's a lot of confirmation bias. There's a lot of things that have happened, um, to get you where you are. And it's easy to think that now, like the next 20, we should keep doing the same things because the la- it worked over the last 20. Right. And maybe some of those things like fundamental values and principles, I think are important. But, um, yeah. when it comes to like tactics and strategy, I think we need to think about this as like, let's think of the next 20 like we did the first year of our last 20, which was like we're new and we can do yeah. new things 
And so we're pushing ourselves. I'm trying to push us to, to do interesting yeah. things that we haven't tried before. So yeah. product launch in spring. We hired a head of marketing, which is something we've never had before. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing some things that we hadn't done before. And I think had we thought that this is year 21, we probably wouldn't have done those things versus if we think it's year one of the next 20, then I think we, we kind of give ourselves permission to, to experiment some more. So I think yeah. it's important to do that and set the tone. Absolutely. Do you think that reframing helps with feeling almost like letting go of that sense of we don't have anything to lose, right? Like it's like, what do you, what's the like plaque that sort of builds <laughs> up, right? Like yeah. the mental plaque of, or emotional plaque of, yeah, I've been doing this for a while and it's been working well, right? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I find it liberating to to just like yeah. say we're starting again, which of course we're not really. I mean, like we've got, you know, tens of thousands of customers. We've got a long history. We've got brand equity out there. People know us. So sure. we're not starting. It's not fair for me to go. It's not like fair for me to compare starting new to someone who's really, truly starting new, like truly starting new and no one knows you is quite a bit harder than where we're at. But there is this notion that as a company grows and it's as it's around longer and as more customers and there's higher expectations, there definitely is more to lose. And so you end up calcifying and you end mm -hmm. up stiffening up because you're afraid. And now you're right. just in like defense mode. Like I just want to maintain and, and keep what we have instead of like figure out yep. how, to, how to do new things. And so I think it takes uh, a heavy hammer to break that coding basically and let us kind yep. of loosen up again and say, let's try some new stuff. And like, let's, who knows? Um, if it's going to work or not, but like, let's not be afraid of it. Cause it's so easy to be afraid when you have something. Oh yeah. You know, so that's, that's the thing I have to kind of, I feel like I have to constantly remind people that like, we're okay. That's great. Yeah. But yeah. we won't be okay if we just keep doing the same things we've always done because that's what we've done. We need to do new things that make sense in context of who we are today, what the opportunities are, what excites right. us, that sort of stuff. So I think it's really important. Absolutely. I have a question though, actually, if you don't oh, mind. Oh, going yeah, back you. no, go. <laughs> You're like, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk. Yeah, tell no, me, I do, tell but me. I, something I've always wondered about is <laughs> mm -hmm. how do you find the people you interview? So you've interviewed 50. Like, what is it about? I beg them, Jason. I beg them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beg them to do. Okay, fine. Let's say you beg them. Who, who do you choose to beg and why? Like, what, what is it that you're oh, looking for? I'm curious about yeah. that. Cause look, there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of leaders. So like, how'd you pick these 50? That's a really good question. It's funny too, because it's cool. The, the podcast has been reaching more and more people. And so I get a lot of emails from, you know, PR agencies and agents who are trying to suggest that their CEO or their client is the one that, uh, you know, that gets on the show. And I've actually said no to all of them or I don't respond, which I don't, I don't know if that's uh, necessarily the, the best strategy. But what I will say is I try to seek out people who I think will have something different to say and who aren't going to sit on talking points. And then, yeah, that's like a really big thing. So I don't like to, for example, accept people on the show who have a like have a thing going on right, right now. So right. like <laughs> a book to promote or I mean, sometimes it overlaps, actually. And like, I don't know. I, I think like the book's really good. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I want to talk to this person. For example, we had um, Molly West Duffy, uh, who uh, did uh, emotions. It's a book on emotions and the name, the exact name that I'm forgetting, but excellent book, right? I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And we're going to have Jerry Colonna, who's who wrote Reboot and is a fantastic executive coach. He's going to be on the show shortly, too. So it's just so, you know, so there is exceptions in that sense. But 
I think the value of these conversations or why I even wanted to do this podcast in particular is I wanted to get away from the heavy handed, cliched sort of personal brand of leadership. Like this idea that because it worked for me at GE, or it works for me at BlackRock, that this is the way you do things. And it's one, two, three. And these are like the catchy sayings that I have and mnemonic devices I have for you to implement these things in your team. And because I just don't think leadership works. like that. It's like, it's proven, right? Like you, you look at any team in any organization, and it's just so freaking different. And so mm-hmm. what I was more curious about are who are going to be the people who are actually going to be willing to open up about what's been different in particular about their slice. Because I think that's where the value is. It's not in any one person's particular sort of path or slice of what they've learned, but it's the accumulation of sort of seeing the whole bank of stories and being like, oh, interesting. Like this part of what Jason is sharing is really interesting about, you know, not being worried about so many things, but maybe that doesn't apply in all situations. And, you know, this person, you know, does trainers really, you know, viewpoint on this is really interesting. And, and Tim O'Reilly has this, right? And you just sort of assemble your own collage of what's making sense. Like, I think that's where the value is. And so finding people who are willing to get real about that and be honest about that, that's the way I thought of it. And so usually that means I meet them in person, right? Like it's, uh-huh. that's usually how it happens is I'll meet someone at a conference or I'll watch them speak at an event or someone will introduce me to someone and I'll go, oh, like there's something just about the way they're thinking or what they're sharing with me that seems like they'd be willing to be, to be honest. Well, that's good. I think meeting someone first is, is kind of a good basic first bar, just so you, you can tell if, if, if they're kind of the, the real thing, perhaps. I think the other thing that I've noticed about, about your interviews, for the most part, I don't know all the people, of course, but they're all like practicing leadership right now. Like they're running something versus <laughs> no, someone who so. used to run yeah. something and is now like writing a book about what it used to be like. Um, so I think it's really good. Yeah. That they're all like practitioners and all, you know, the other thing that, that I think people will get confused about when it comes to leadership mm-hmm. is that yeah. leadership is not like, it's not like, it's not like you've arrived at it and, and you're good at it. Like <laughs> most people like you yeah. end up there and you don't know what you're doing. I mean, we're all figuring out as we go. <laughs> Yeah. I actually feel like, I know, don't tell anybody, right? I feel like pretty much every company is actually held together with duct tape. Like everything's tenuous. People aren't really sure. And no one, like no one has the real answers. We're all trying to figure this out as we go. We have like strategies and we have people have plans and people want things to turn out a certain way, but leaders don't yep. know either. And I think that's, yes. we're just someone trying to figure out our own job. Like everyone else is trying to figure out their job. Um, no one has all the answers. So uh, I think it's refreshing when you hear people, um, and I've heard a number of people on your podcast talk about, like, I'm not yeah. really sure what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this stuff out, too. Like, that vein of uncertainty and the humility that and self-awareness that people have to see, that that's, like, been the consistent thread, right? Through yeah. all of the, the interviews. Everyone is just sort of willing to admit, like, well, I'm trying it out, and it seems to be working, or this isn't working, or I learned this the hard way, but, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Uh, someone told me this. I forget who, but I really like this phrasing. Uh, I think, yeah, they talked about every company, it's a beautiful mess, right? So, to your point of being held together by duct tape, but it's a beautiful mess, and, like, the beauty is in trying and putting in the effort to figure out what's working and what's not, but it's just a complete mess always. Like no one's, it's mess. Like that's also life, right? It's not this perfectly painted picture where everything's, you know, aligned and connecting the dots. And so, 
Yeah, I think that's also what makes practicing leadership so hard because unlike other skills, for example, you know, being an excellent violinist or guitar player or golfer or tennis or whatever the thing is, like, you know what excellence looks like. And there's a very, very clear path. Like, there's a picture of success and then it's like, then you do one, two, three, four if you want to become that. It's like, oh, you practice this many hours a day. You go move to this place, you get this coach, then you go to Juilliard, then you get your, you know, apprenticeship doing this, you do this for three years, and then it's like, like, we don't even really know what excellence looks like, because it's different, depending on the team and what's going on. Right. And so it just makes even getting there harder. It's why, you know, it's as you know, it's why I'm doing this and, you know, running your team and the work we're trying to figure out how to do, because it's completely unclear. Yeah. You know, what's neat about that is you think about like a great musician or a great athlete, they're probably going to be great yeah. in any venue, like any venue they go to, they'll, they'll put on a great performance, but leaders are really yeah. dependent upon their teams. And so you yeah. think about like, could this person be pulled out of this situation and put into another situation and be good at what they do? Maybe not, probably not. In fact, mm-hmm. we as leaders are such a product of our own teams and we rely on our teams to allow us to do what we do. Yeah. That, that if we switch teams, we, we might be horrible. We, we might get canned. Totally. You could be totally fired. I'd probably be fired if I went to work somewhere else. Like I, you know, like <laughs> you just don't, like at some point, like you're so attached to your team. Now, of course, there are principles around leadership that like you hope you could carry with you, but it has so much sure. to do with the people around you and the situation, the timing and all that stuff that that's what makes it interesting. Like you said, is that it's not like here's the marathon training uh, regimen. And like by the no. time you're done with this, you'll be able to run a marathon, like guaranteed. Like doesn't right. happen here. Doesn't there's there's like no that. way to say yeah. by the time you're done with this, you'll guarantee to be able to like run a team successfully. I don't know. Don't know. And that's right. what's kind of right. fun about this. It's yeah, it's fascinating. Like there's so like there's so many studies on this. Like there's everything from Gallup to I mean the studies that we've run. Like it's so and so there's like major themes, but it's still like well like for example like the main three main skills that we found that you know all leaders the best leaders tend to exhibit it's trust right you have to build trust in your team you have to communicate honestly and then you have to create context. None of this is rocket science. The hard part is like how do you build trust? Right. <laughs> like what yeah. does that look like on a day to day basis? Like how do you create context, especially when things are nuts and you know the market's changing or you're running out of money like how do you make sure everyone's in the loop or when you're remote or hybrid like it's the doing that's the hard part it's less the oh yeah no i know i should lead from the front oh i know i should be honest with my team it's like yeah you, you write about that all day doing it is a whole whole other story and there are different phases of leadership because sometimes yeah. you know like you might be struggling to pay the bills that's like now you're in survival mode which is like right. totally different you know than yes. like when you're comfy and cozy and things are going well for a while and you can take some more chances or whatever. So it does, it does yep. require you to, to, to um, sort of morph and, and shape shift a bit. So that, exactly. that's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting area of, of study because <laughs> who knows, it's like always, always evolving. Right. It's not quite science. It really, yeah. it really isn't. Well, speaking of evolving, shaping, shifting. So huh. last time we talked on this podcast, Jason, well, it's actually funny that that very first interview we did, I think it was 10 minutes and we filmed it like in the base camp office. And I was like, Hey, can you just like, do you want to just come in and like do this? Like I'm trying this thing out. Like, I don't know if we'll do any more episodes. And here we are two years later, right? Were we sitting next to each other, like in front of the we same were sitting laptop? Next to each other, like, the lap, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was super hilarious. Like a, everyone yeah. go watch 
back that first yeah. interview. It's gotten, you know, phenomenal feedback. But, yeah. you know, looking back, it's it like you never setup. really know what something's going to yeah, turn into. Right. But so since then, I mean, that's two and a half years ago and things have changed, right? Yeah. You know, companies grown, different things have changed. What do you feel like you've learned in that time or changed your mind on or just feel like, hmm, I've evolved. I've noticed myself evolving in different ways as a leader, trying different things out. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is we've, I don't remember how many people we had back then, but we probably yeah. added 10 people or something since. And that's actually, it turns out to be pretty significant huh. at this point. We have 56 people and um, it's a lot harder, I found, to communicate with 56 than let's say 46. Um, really? Yeah. I just have found that. That surprises like, me. Yeah. yeah. Here's what I think it is. It's like, Maybe the way I communicate is the same, but there's more communication in general happening across the company because there's more people and there's more projects and people's time yeah. is more taken up by those things. And so when you want to communicate something, not everybody happens to run into it anymore, like perhaps they may mm -hmm. have used to. And so you find yourself having to sort of explain yourself in different ways and maybe explain yourself twice or repeat yourself. And that's been a really interesting thing I've noticed is that mm -hmm. I'll say something and then I'll, I'll think it was clear. And then yeah. I'll find out that some people didn't think so and didn't know. And then like, I'll have to say it again. And so like trying to yes. tweak my communication style, I think is really important to provide what I'm trying to do oh. is provide more context around the decision, why I'm making decisions, not just the yes. decisions. I think right. in the past when we were smaller, it was just easier to share the decision and move on. But now yeah. with a lot of people in the company who are newer to the company, hmm. You know, half of our, more than half of our company has been with us for more than five years, which is great. But that means that a little bit less than half, but still 20, almost the 25 people or so have been with us for just a few years. And they don't have any of the context around like how we ship products, how we launch products, why we do what we do. So I'm finding myself right. in, in a good way having to, to provide more justification for the decisions we make. And that's been mm. something that's new for me. So learning that. I'm surprised at the inflection point, by the way, being like 46 to 50. It's probably like, like that's. It's probably like that. Right. Was really Isn't that? Point. I just. I, yeah, I think that's just. That's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a similar experience based to other CEOs and executives I've talked to. So anywho, but the second yeah. thing you were saying. So there's that. Yeah. The other thing I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've had to come to terms with is yeah. I've gotten worse at some things um, that oh. I used to love to do. So I used to love to do <laughs> okay. more of the like hands on design work. And this is kind of probably what Peldy was talking about in a way. I used to do, you know, a lot of hands-on design work, HTML, CSS. I've just found myself having less time to do that. And therefore, like, my skills have atrophied. And so mm. at some point, you have to realize you can't, I mean, you can maybe, but, like, it's probably not a good thing that, or it's pro it probably is a good thing that certain yeah. things you used to be good at, you're not good at anymore because that means you have to get <laughs> better at other things. And I've realized that, like, yeah. strategic thinking, big picture thinking, having time to think, that's where my time is better placed than me digging into the code and messing around. Although I have always loved to do that. Yeah. Um, I've stayed out of it long enough now that I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about getting back into it. Like I feel like I'm not as good as I used to be and then things have changed mm -hmm. there. And I think that's something that I've, I've heard from a number of, of, of leaders, which is like, look, your yeah. job changes. Like you probably used to be an individual contributor yeah. and now you're a leader or a manager or an owner or whatever you are. And for a while, you can hang on to those old skills because they take a while to fade. But at some point, they do fade, and then you need to pick up new things. And just kind of coming to the term, coming to terms with that has been a challenge. It's something I'm still struggling with. Is like I'm not as good at those things as I used to be, and I can't just jump in like I used to. Um, I have to maybe ask some people to do some things for me now, which I used to be yeah. able to do myself. And that's been hard actually, and it's been 
more noticeable over the last couple of years as like web technology has changed in a way where I'm not as up to speed mm-hmm. as I used to be. So that's something that's changed. I think it's been interesting. And then the last thing is, um, again, getting back to this whole like 21 or year one of the next 20 thing, just kind of recognizing that like maybe the things that we've done and maybe the leadership skills that I've had, like mm-hmm. they still work, but maybe they're not going to work as well. And I shouldn't expect that they will automatically work over the next, yeah. or even over the next five. So the, the notion that what has worked may not always work is, I think, an important thing to come to. And it took me a while, I think, probably to get to that where I would, I, in the past, I might fall back on habits. Like, yeah. this is just how we do things. So like, we're going to do it again, because it worked before. But like, sure. No, for example, like, yeah, saying like five years ago, we said we weren't going to mm-hmm. build any new products anymore, which is one of the reasons we spun out know your company and now know your team. Exactly. And, exactly. So, and we've just decided that we're, we, we want to build something new. And if I would have said, yeah. we said we weren't, so we won't. But that's just something we made up. Like that's our own rule. We can change that rule too. Yep. I think is a really valuable thing to do from time to time. So we're doing that with this yep. new thing. We've got a couple of the things planned next year that we're going to do that we said we probably wouldn't do before. And I, I like this idea of things we said we wouldn't do. Those are the things mm-hmm. we're going to start doing and see what happens. I love it. I, I mean, you've always been so, I mean, refreshingly just such an advocate of, yeah, being able to change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. And it's okay to change in general and that the change is important. So totally. I love that. Yeah. And tied to that, I feel like I probably disagree with myself a dozen times a day, right? Just like, well, that's a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. probably. Maybe, 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 <laughs> no, maybe no. I think it's probably accurate though. Like just yeah, things yeah. I'm thinking about, I'm like, oh, you got to see it from all these different perspectives and you have to see it from mm-hmm. different sides and you have to play the other angles. And, and I think I've gotten better and better at that as well. When before I might have been a little bit more of an absolutist on certain things. Cause like, I just, mm. I'm so confident that this is the right way. Um, yep. And now, like, I'm I'm more willing to to go. You know, I actually don't think this other way is the right way, but I'm going to try that to find out. Because if right. I don't try it, like, I'm not going to know. So I yep. think it's I think that's a valuable thing to kind of throw yourself into situations like that where your instinct would say this is wrong, and your instinct has served you well in the past. But these things should evolve too. Your instinct should evolve mm-hmm. in a way as well. So anyway, that's kind of where I'm at yeah. right now. What in these next twenty years, Jason? Do you want to improve the most as a leader? You know, casual, big question. Yeah, no, it's a good, that's a great one. (laughs) Sometimes I have a hard time, if I really believe something and it's shown not to be true, sometimes, or like maybe the data shows otherwise, or sometimes I just have a hard time admitting that. And I'll I'll look for justifications Mm -hmm. to say, well, well, not yet. Or maybe like, well, maybe it's, maybe we're looking at the data the wrong way. Like, yeah. I, sometimes I hold on to things a little bit too tightly or hold on to convictions or hold on to, 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 to guesses or bets or whatever a little bit too tightly. And I think sometimes you need to do that because sometimes it does take a while for something to, to play itself out. And sometimes it takes six or seven attempts at it to make it work. But yeah. there are definitely times I know where I'm like, I should actually come to terms with the fact that this wasn't working or this didn't work. Yeah. So I, I'd like to get better at that. That's a hard thing for me. Uh, I think I've gotten better at it, but I still recognize myself kind of clinging to an idea that I had because like, well, I still think it's a good idea, but like, hey, it just didn't work. Like sometimes it just doesn't work. You got to move on. (laughs) I'm working on that. I think that's something I'd like to get better at. And that's like, that's a leadership thing because I don't want to continue to ask people to go in a direction in a given project or situation or whatever it might be 
that just isn't panning out, but like, I feel like it totally must pan out. It's the wrong way. Totally. To think, so it's funny. I feel very similarly in the sense that I can get very attached to like a vision or a point of view. And uh, no, and I find that it always ends up leading me in the wrong place, right? It's like, oh, well, that eventually didn't work out. Or, oh, we just spent all this energy, you know, trying to trying to make it work and it didn't work. Uh, and then I think the other thing for me that I thought a lot about and, you know, working on this myself is like, is that behavior that I want our team to learn, right? Like, do I want everyone to be that attached to their ideas? No, it's like my expectation, actually, like the expectation that, you know, I have of my team is like, no, we go into each, you know, we, we talk about things as objectively as possible. And it's all in service of this bigger thing we're trying to build. And, and we can't be attached to the code that we're, you know, putting together or does that we have to be able to throw stuff away, we have to see view everything as an experiment. It's like, I say that. And it's always interesting to, yeah, to hold up that mirror and be like, okay, well, the ideas that I like. Right. <laughs> How closely am I? Am I being? You know, am I? Am I tying myself to that and holding myself accountable to that? And I, that self check is always hard. So thank you for for sharing that. Yeah, it's really hard to do. Um, and all we can hope is we get slightly better at it. I mean, like, there's yes. no there's no way to perfect this probably. Um, but yeah. hopefully, every year, every month, every every quarter, whatever, we can get a little bit better yeah. about it and let let one idea go that you just even though you're clinging to it, you just some things just need to need to resolve and go away like didn't work or not the right idea right. or whatever yeah right so but the challenge of course is figuring out like it's hard because it's like when do you pick that moment to say like i'm going to throw in the towel on this one because sometimes things do take a while so that's the challenge and you got to kind of mm -hmm. figure out how to spread the needle but it's something i think that it's like will take forever practice to get better at absolutely yeah I, I've got, I mean, I literally I have so many questions, Jason, but I'll, I'll, I'll end Part on three the another time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, the, I guess the last question that I, yeah, exactly. We'll just have to wait 50 more episodes right. here. But um, the one question that I at least have on my end that I, I do want to ask is, especially just given this really interesting point in, in base camp's history where, you know, it's the biggest you've ever been. I mean, for the past few years, you've had sort of managers in the company for the first time, like other than really you and, and David. Yeah. And I'm so curious, you know, through that transition, and this is not, you know, just unique to Basecamp for any company that goes through that natural growth, but how have you thought about how you grow or influence? I don't even know if influence is the right word. But even set a good example for the managers that you're working with, right? Like, how do you do you think about coaching them? Like, is I'm just even curious of the way you think about it. Is it, oh, no, Claire, I kind of just like try to be the best CEO and, you know, do the things that I'm doing and just hoping that by example, people pick it up. Do you, are you like really deliberate on that coaching aspect? Like, how do you think about that relationship between you and now these managers that you've got? I tend not to coach that much once someone's become a manager, but ahead of time, like I have a sense, like, for example, yeah. Jonas, yeah. you know, Jonas, uh, Jonas is... Now yeah. the design team. So he's like been promoted to lead the design team at Basecamp. For the past year or two, Jonas and I have been working very closely together on product development. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking like Jonas could be could be a great manager. Yeah. And so I've been kind of over the past you know couple of years, like helping him or involving him in more conversations, involving him in more debates with David and I, like David mm -hmm. and I might be going at it on something. And like, I, I pull him in so Jonas can see how we think about things. Yep. Trying to get him really involved in, in these things before it's time to actually say like, I think it's time that you've earned this, this chance or whatever it might be. Yeah. And after that, I feel like I'm, I'm a much more light handed on the, like 
coaching after the fact. So I try to like sure. bring people along and, and, and help them get better and then like sort of set them free and then be, be like um, someone who checks in from time to time versus being yes. really heavy handed with the, with them, with the, like the hmm. coaching. Yes. I feel like it's all ahead of the moment, not after the moment. Yes. That's kind of how I've always done it. I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's how I've, I've always done it. And I haven't had a lot of experience because there's only been a few people in the company that sure. we've kind of put in that position. But I feel like it's a it's a really good like versus versus like taking someone who is an individual contributor, like elevating yep. them to manager because we need one today. And then like right. spending the next two years trying to make them better at their job. I like to make people better at their job before they get into that particular position. Right. And then let them free and let them sail. So that's kind of how how I've always done. Right. I, I think uh, preparing and training before the moment is I mean, that's how you get someone hopefully sort of optimally ready right. seems to to make sense in, in, in that in that situation. Yeah. Thank you sure. so much for everything you shared. This has been a blast. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me on. It was great. Yeah, you bet. Well everyone, yeah, I, I'm sure if you're you know, if you're if you're listening, tuning in, um, so much to learn from Jason as always. And um, yeah, I look forward to having you tune in on future episodes of Heartbeat. So thanks again, Jason. Thanks, Claire. See ya. 